It's a little past due, but I want to touch on some recent horror releases today. I want to do a whole show on Malignant, but I have only seen it once on opening weekend and still feel confused about my feelings for it. So I thought maybe I'd just do more of a freeform Halloween is coming styled show. And of course, that is way more fun when I bring on a special guest. I'll introduce them in a moment. But first, grab your headphones, turn out the lights, find a safe hiding space and fall in to haunting season. Good evening, world, and welcome to Haunting Season. If you've been following the show for a while, you'll know that I've started a TikTok that has kind of taken off a little bit. And because of that, I've been able to make some new friendships with people in the horror community that I never would have been able to otherwise. One such content creator is actually not all that horror-related. His profile on TikTok is B-Star Cinema. That's star with two R's. And he's a movie collector who has just recently ventured into the world of horror. And tonight, we're going to find out why. Find out what he's been starting with, and we'll talk about some of the new releases. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up? Thank you. Appreciate it. I want to start talking about you. I want to hear your origin story, wherever that starts. If it starts with like your TikTok journey or your movie journey or like, you know, your birth story. I don't know. Whatever your origin story is for you. Like, let's go through it. I want to introduce you to the Haunting Season listeners. I actually got into filmmaking when I was 12. My family were big movie watchers. We had a VHS closet just full of movies that we either purchased or we just ripped straight from the VCR. We had a bunch of those, you know, there's like three movies on one VHS, but movies, movies were just a big part of my family. And around, you know, 12, uh, 13 is when I realized I kind of liked making them. Of course, they were these terrible short films that I, uh, I started on with the VHS camera and then like the mini, like this, the high eight VHS, VHS C, I think was the tapes, just terrible <laughs> things. But I just really loved movies. I really loved telling stories. And that kind of just got me into just being obsessed and like really kind of just making it a goal in life to follow and pursue some sort of career in that world, even though I had no idea what that could be. What was the plot of your first movie? <laughs> Uh, my very first movie is a movie called Super Dummies, and it is just it is about a bunch of just dumb superheroes that somehow saved the day. And we filmed it on a VHS camera. We didn't have my dad did have a way, but I didn't know this when we were making it. We didn't have a way to edit the movie, so we filmed it all in order. Yeah, but that meant like when there's this one scene where we're shouting you know, in the front door of a house, we think the bad guy's inside and he's up in his lair. And so we were outside to film that. And then we would go all the way upstairs to the house that we called the lair to film his one line. And then we'd go back downstairs, film our one line and just back and <laughs> forth. It's an absolute, absolute nightmare. Yeah. Uh, I still have it. I, I have a copy, but what I was realizing is I was like, I, I kind of like the idea of directing here. I'm, I'm, I, I found myself sort of 
telling people what to do and setting up camera angles and, and things like that. Yeah, so that's super dummies. And yes, there was a sequel. So when I started, it was also on VHS and my friend's dad worked at like a media company that rented out equipment and we were able to transfer from one VHS to another with a CD player hooked into it. What I started on was shooting behind the scenes of musicals that I was in in high school. And I would film it all, you know, just in the order that things were happening, but then create montages, almost like a music video and little scenes yes, by yeah. playing the CD player and transferring the footage over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. And we did that for like skateboarding videos, too. That's the ingenuity. I think I'm using that word correctly of like filming yeah. uh, back in the day. Like you just figured it out. And that's what I that's what I love uh, so, so much. So that's awesome. That's really cool. From childhood filmmaking, did you then go to school for filmmaking? Not really. The school that I went to, my dad actually taught at, and he actually, he did have a film class. Um, but you know, I, as I took it, I was like, yeah, I've heard all of this. He's my dad. So, <laughs> you know, he was the one that kind of helped me through it all, um, already, but my, my school was attached to a semester school. It was like a semester abroad type of school. It's LAFSC, Los Angeles Film Study Center. So it was my final semester that I chose to go. And that was my only like film school experience was just a single semester to get my final credits. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And just watching movies, you know, just, just yeah. reading anything that I could on like behind the scenes things and listening to a lot of DVD commentaries and things like that, you know, before YouTube showed up. So, yeah. A lot of my friends who were in film school, because I went for theater and focused mainly on musical theater, but I, I watched a lot of my friends lose a little bit of magic in learning about how films were made. They lost kind of their magic connection to sitting in the audience and letting go. Yeah. And I've never lost that. And it doesn't seem like you've ever lost that from watching your content there is sort of like that outstanding magicalness to the way you talk about movies that reminds me of like what you feel when you walk into disneyland that's what i feel like when one of your videos pops up on tiktok yeah so i'm like oh disneyland how nice <laughs> have, have you ever battled with that have you ever like found yourself thinking about oh i know how this was done or are you able to just lose yourself great question and great outlook because uh, i see it all the time my dad was a huge help when it came to this and he always reminded me to just never lose my childhood sense of wonder. So when I approach a movie, I do my best to flip the switch of movie critic or filmmaker the best that I can. And it's it, it works quite a bit to the point where I will enjoy a movie way more than I should have from a critical perspective. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I always have to think about how did I feel directly after the movie and even, you know, a couple of days afterwards as well. And if that's how I felt, then that's what the movie is going back and further taking, you know, taking a look at it and, and tearing it apart and realizing, oh, this actually isn't that good. That just like slowly like deteriorates what, what could be something that's just so, so magical. And that's why I hate any sort of critiquing of movie. I'm not even on Letterboxd because... I just refuse to like put a number to a movie because that's, I don't know, that's just pointless. It's, it's entertainment. And even though I fully believe that it's smart to understand how to explain why a movie is good or bad. And, and also I, I find it very important to understand good art versus bad art. At the, at the same time, I think you're missing out if you're just constantly having 
that magic taken away every time you watch a movie. I think this is exactly why I was so excited to have you on and and talk with you for a little bit is because I'm exactly the same way. Like my favorite movie of all time is The Matrix and I can still watch The Matrix and be surprised by the ending. So good. And I don't know why that happens with me. I just lose myself completely in the movie. When people ask me about my TikTok, like, what is it about? I'm like, well, you you know, I, I review horror movies, but really like the core of what it is is Josh has a good time. Like, that's my entire show, Yeah, is Josh has a good time. And the most recent example for me is the movie Old. Yeah, I could not shut up about the movie Old because I had so much fun in the movie theater with that audience. Yeah, And I'm not going to ask you to judge a movie or rate a movie, but I do want to know what your experience was watching that. Because I know you got the press packet, right? So you went and saw it? Yeah, so this actually goes back to me as a 12-year-old filmmaker. My parents and, and, you know, movie watching and my dad kind of slowly steering me into that direction unbreakable i say is the movie that got me interested in filmmaking and i owe it all to m night Shyamalan. and i forever will i will die on the rock of m night Shyamalan just being an incredible storyteller we could have a whole episode on on Shyamalan. but going into this movie i'm just excited i'm excited that my my boy is back and there's a lot of buzz around the things that he's been doing i'm just watching it with a big smile on my face because i see some of that old Shyamalan still there and his filmmaking is just brilliant the way that he uses color and foreshadowing and off-screen space he's doing a lot of new stuff as well some of his camera techniques i'm just like what is he doing here but there's a there's a reason for it because i know i know this guy like there is a reason why he's doing these weird crazy camera shots and so walking out of it I absolutely loved it. Are there issues with it? Yeah, of course. And 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 as the excitement died down, I was able to look back at the movie and talk with some other friends and realize like, yeah, that was a little weird. And even myself, even, even I say, I think uh, Shyamalan didn't trust his audience enough with this movie. There's a lot of kind of over exposition that I think for Shyamalan is just not a thing that's needed. And then um, some of the acting isn't great either, um, especially from our leads, from our lead uh, uh, elder actors and uh, the kids, uh, you know, I think the kids did great. But, um, but yeah, in the end, though, I'm just like, man, just keep, just keep, just keep doing it, man. It's, it's, it's just so fun watching his stuff. I'm likewise a huge fan, especially the movie Signs is always in my top five. When people ask me, what are your top five favorite movies? A bunch of them will change, but Signs is always in there. Yeah, I just think it's a perfect film from start to finish. Yeah, I equally I went in really excited about old and I had a few minutes of just my expectations, I think, were in a different place. I don't want to say too high, but like they were just kind of misplaced, yeah. you know, and, and I think the excitement comes from knowing M. Night so much and like season one of The Servant was mind blowing to me and like really scary. Yeah. And so I was expecting like off the charts scary with this. And it's just not that type of movie. It has its moments. But as the audience livened up and kind of sank into it, I saw it with my drag queen surrogate brother and um, a bunch of what I think were drunk 16-year-olds. <laughs> and everybody got really rowdy and started like awesome. roasting the movie. But then they were still screaming at the scary parts. And I think that's the perfect horror movie vibe of like, oh, yeah, let's make fun of this a little bit. But then let's also get scared. Absolutely. That's kind of my take with a lot of horror is it's a little campy sometimes and a little cheesy 
but you have to you have to appreciate like what some of these people pull off it's 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 wild so i want to jump directly into the horror conversation because you're new to horror and i know this and probably your viewers know this because you've talked about it a couple of times on lives and and in a couple of videos but uh for the new listeners when did you start getting excited about horror movies and, and exploring that i was scarred as a kid with horror, I accidentally saw the opening of Children of the Corn. That was <laughs> <laughs> traumatizing. I, I was probably like the age of those kids, a lot of those kids. And then there's an episode of uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark that also just completely scarred me, or I would watch it every single week. And this one particular episode shut the TV off right there and pretty much just swore off horror movies. And throughout my life, throughout middle school, high school, and college, I watched a few, but like, I remember like all of our friends getting together, watching the ring when it first came out and I left, I, I could not get through the first two minutes of that, uh, of that VHS tape. I, I just left and not until later in my adult life, did I just randomly start feeling like I should give it another chance and, and horror as the genre. And then I did end up watching the ring as an adult, but it still totally freaks me out to this day. Now, the older stuff, not as bad, obviously. You can kind of tell it's not as realistic, but I'm having a blast with all of those movies because I've never seen them before. And as an adult and as a filmmaker, I fully love it. One of the, the biggest titles that just blew me away was uh, Evil Dead. I, I saw for the first time, I think like two years ago, as recent as that. I, I guess I just was like, you know, there's this is a whole genre that I just kept saying to people like, ah, I'm not interested. The stories aren't great. And it's just cheesy horror and gore for no reason. And, and you know, things like that. And I just wasn't giving it enough props uh, that I fully believe today that uh, it totally, totally deserves. Uh, the modern stuff, though, there has to be a really good reason for me to watch anything that, that anything new, uh, for sure. <laughs> I just want to give you fair warning. As someone who probably hasn't watched it, I rate the remake of Evil Dead, the 2013 version, as one of the all-time scariest movies I've ever watched. It stayed with me for years. I'm still, I still think about it. So while one, two, and three are really fun, you might want to stay away from that one uh, until yeah. you're ready, because. Boy, That's perfectly fine. That's easy for me. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that the ring was something you were uh, terrified of and turned off right away, and then later came back to. And it's one of my all-time favorite movies for me. In college, was kind of like a comfort movie for me, which is weird. But like, if it was like a sick rainy day, I'd put on the ring because. The scary parts to me were so spread out and it was more about like tension and the mystery and the story of Rachel kind of discovering, you know, all of these clues. And then the big scares are saved for like the very beginning and the very end. What was your feeling watching it all the way through? It's been a while, so I don't fully remember, but I do remember a few times when we see her kind of glitch and in, in, in her movements, I was just like, yes, that is incredible. I, I remember like out loud just being like man i should have watched this earlier because this is yeah and I, and i love stuff like i love mysteries and i love i love stuff like that but um yeah it took me a while to finally just get over the fear and and, and take the plunge props to you for being brave i'm going through kind of a similar thing where i was 
too afraid to watch Candyman and Hellraiser and even Child's Play. Yeah. And I'm now just this year starting to go through those films. That's great. And yeah. realizing as an adult, they're, they're very, very different than when you're like 12 years old and they're on the TV yes. and no one told you yes. not to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually just watched Child's Play for the first time last year. And it's an absolute blast. But when I was a kid, I saw a scene from the third film. And that was another one that just like scarred me for life. So we met on TikTok. And right now you've got almost very close to 623,000 followers, which has got to be mind blowing, right? I mean, it's wild. That, yeah. that number, I, I did YouTube for two years and felt very successful about it and ended with uh, 16,000 followers. Yeah. And I thought nothing could ever top that. And now on TikTok, <laughs> I've got 163 or something like that. Yeah. I don't know what to do with it um, other than just keep going. Did you ever expect yeah. this kind of following? What does this feel like? When YouTube started, I signed up like maybe a year later. So I was OG YouTube because I was excited. I could finally like share my videos with other people. And when I started realizing that there's these, these constant like names that are popping up on YouTube and they're getting paid for it, I was like, oh my gosh, like that, that's pretty cool. And there's, and it was all brand new. And throughout my life, I still had the strong urge of being like your average filmmaker, but I kept going back to YouTube and kept watching way too much YouTube, like way, like way more than I should have. So I've always just loved the idea of creating content for people and it didn't have to be a full feature film. And I didn't have to have a full crew that I do not have access to. And I remember when Vine came out, I was already out of the age that I think that if Vine came out when I was of age, I would have taken it and ran. And who knows like what would have happened. You know, we see what happened with a bunch of those Vine people. Uh, it's pretty crazy stuff. And so to to get on TikTok and have just immediate growth and feedback and because I'm the type of person that it, it's it's selfish of me, but I just I love getting feedback. I love hearing from people when I make something that that is something that I crave. And uh, I found it on TikTok and I just kept it going and going. And yeah, it's absolutely wild. And the fact that this could lead to me just quitting everything else that I do and just focusing on that is insane to me. But it's it's all it's all like right here, right in front of me. And I'm just like, why not? Like that's something that I kind of learned through COVID when all of my work was 75% of my work was canceled. I was like, I got to pivot and try and figure something else out. And now's the time to do it. And so, yeah, I joined summer of 2020 and who knows what's I, again, week to week, something is, is changing and being added and it's crazy. Do you have anything on the horizon that involves more cinematic storytelling when it comes to TikTok? Leading into this month, I wanted to make 13 short horror films, 15 to 30 seconds long. So it's kind of like take the concept of the two sentence horror story and turn it into a video. And it would be something that I do completely by myself. I love that aspect of like, I can't hold the camera right now. So I need to do something. I need to think of and be creative and I can't have someone else in my video. So I need to like prop up a tripod with a sweatshirt or something like that. Then Disney reached out and was like, hey, 
we would like you to make these two videos. And then um, something else might be happening with, with something else that I can't say just yet. And, it, and, and again, like week to week, even though I had this plan for October, I don't know if that's going to happen now because of other things. So the ideas are always there. Yeah, you got to ride the wave. Yeah. Right. And my dream is to always, you know, of course do a feature film. It doesn't really necessarily matter if anything happens with it. It's just, you know, getting that done. And of course I still have short film ideas and um, I would love to start doing a little bit more narrative original work um, on TikTok eventually. And who knows, maybe I'll, you know, I have one in my head right now that I just really, really actually want to do for October. So I think I will at least do one of them, but yeah, ride the wave. And and then, you know, from there, maybe I can be a little bit more creative and uh, take on passion projects. It's wild that you and I both started with VHS tapes and having trouble figuring out how to edit. And now you literally can edit with apps on your phone that is a camera and can plug into sound. And it's just unreasonable amount of flexibility in our pockets today. So I want to talk about one more recent release because I made you watch it for this episode. Yeah, (laughs) You watched it this morning. I want to talk about Malignant and very, very fresh. I think you stopped watching as we we hopped on the phone here. So what are your initial reactions? I have always loved James Wan. And this actually goes back to high school. And yes, I didn't watch a lot of horror films, but people made me watch Saul. And it's, it's kind of a longer story, but to this day, I will always say Saul has the greatest plot twist of all time. And there's more to it than, than just that on its own. But James Wan, as a filmmaker, is just wild. The decisions that this guy is making is fun and entertaining and new and fresh. And I just love it. So the whole time I'm watching Malignant, I'm just, I just keep like, I just have a smile on my face because, well, first off, this was, I mean, it was a horror film at first and then it turned into a something else. (laughs) It was, it was just a wild ride, like the whole time. And then I actually, and I'll send you this picture. Um, but at a, uh, at the, at the scene in the third act, I took a picture of my face during the whole jail scene and um it like (laughs) my mouth was hitting my desk people are so split on this movie it's unbelievable to me i like that's what i i I saw people split on old and it it felt like okay you know like I, i can see why some people would love it i can see why it's not for some people this movie literally is like love it or hate it I think I, I I don't know if there is any in between because it is such a (laughs) unique expression of someone's love of stuff. Like, I don't even know how else to put it. You and I both got the press package and a lot of the document um, that was included with it is all about James Wan's return to form. James Wan's really excited about this movie. I had it delivered to me in person, and the guy who delivered it was like, we can't talk about any spoilers. I can't tell you anything oh because James gosh. Wan doesn't want anything out about this movie. Yeah. So it was very, very intentional, I realized, as I'm going into the movie, that I don't know anything about this except for the marketing looked like a Conjuring meets uh, Insidious sort of film. Right. I think for me that was a little bit too much of misguiding because when I walked out of the movie, I was extremely confused and initially thought that 
I I had the thought that this movie's terrible, and my wife hated it. And the guy I saw it with, Dave, hated it. I recorded a little bit of audio, and I'll play it. All right, so we're literally walking out of the AMC here. I still have my mask on. Saw Malignant with my wife, Courtney, and my friend, Dave. And we're going to go stand in the shade here and decompress for a second. What did you guys think? Dumbest movie I've ever seen. It definitely reminded me of, like, those really cheesy ones from the late 60s, like Burnt Offerings, where, like, they were trying to be scary, but, like, did also didn't. Like they didn't hit the it. mark. No. It was more it, like funny than it was scary. I think funny. everyone laughed hysterically. Did you guys yeah. feel like it was like um like a professional Hollywood cast or more like a lifetime movie? I literally leaned over. It definitely felt more like lifetime, yeah. I leaned over to Josh at one point and I go, Is this a student film? <laughs> and then I also leaned over and I literally called the ending. I was telling Courtney, I thought the uh, main detective reminded me of David Duchovny, but not in X-Files in Californication, because he's just obsessed with anything with a vagina. Yeah, he was so horny the whole time. I'm like, wait, what's going on? What are we watching? Why is this guy always like, oh, yo, what's up, baby? You can't have a female character in this movie without them being attracted to some male. Oh, my gosh. I'm a little overwhelmed because I actually, the last 30 minutes had a fun time. So having heard that, I then went to a friend's house, George and Nick from Hello Weekly podcast. They live in my town. And and so I popped over and they had both recently watched it. Nick absolutely hated it. And George spent the majority of the night pressing me on, don't you think it was intentional? Don't you think that every single second of that movie From James Wan, who has built his entire career in Hollywood as like the horror guy and even gotten to do some Fast and the Furious. Yep. Don't you think that he knew exactly what he was doing the whole time? And don't you think that 10 years from now, this is going to be the movie from our decade that people need to watch? And I can't stop thinking about that now. This movie is is just wild. And, And what's I think what's great for me is I'm not a big horror fan. So I actually haven't seen Insidious or did he do The Conjuring? Yeah. So I, I haven't seen those. And so I have no expectations besides pretty much Saul and, you know, like one of the Fast and Furious ones that he did. But watching this movie, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is the filmmaking from Saul. This is the wild, like crazy angles. But this this movie is is that, is is it starts off as a horror film and then I think turns into the craziness of like John Carpenter's the thing, uh, for instance, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's just wild. There's definitely some slow moments. There's definitely um, some kind of like goofiness of her and her sister. And um, even like some of the flashbacks are, are a little, a little off. Um, but man, when the plot twists start flowing, I was locked in just loving every single bit of it. And I could go on about like, ah, some of the CG was weird, but at the same time, I'm like, wait a second, that was an entire CG body at one point doing some of those fight scenes in the, in the precinct. And so like the filmmaker side of me is also like, oh my gosh, this was amazing. And the top down, like, let's look at the maze of the entire house as she's running around, which never happens again in the entire movie, (laughs) which I just (laughs) like, they made that decision for just that one shot. Um, I just, I just, I don't know. I just, uh, especially as from a filmmaker standpoint, 
I just love it. It's fresh, it's new, and yeah, it's I mean, it is just uh, it's unlike it's unlike anything because it's just so wild. Like what a wild concept. Yeah, it really is like just a collection of his probably most creative ideas all put into one place. Yeah. Like, okay, James, yeah. we're going to give you money. You can do whatever film you want next, but you got to direct five more Fast and Furious or, you know, whatever right. the deal is that got him to <laughs> yeah. be able to make Malignant. And he was just like, oh boy, here comes yeah. everything I've always wanted to do that every producer always said no to. Absolutely. And I think it's really key that you point out Saw because the editing in that movie... And the music choices in that movie, I feel like, really match what's going on in Malignant. So you can tell that the director's passion is in there and personal style choices. And then The Thing is such a great reference because it is regarded as one of the greatest horror movies of all time. But when it came out, it got horrible reviews. People hated it, Mm. which is really interesting that you made that parallel because it does have that creature feature sort of vibe to it at times. I don't want to give too much away because I don't think we've actually done any spoilers yet. So we might as well just keep it that way, right? I'm trying to tiptoe around it the best that I can, but uh, yeah. All right, I do have one more big question for you, but first a word from our sponsor. Hey friends, do you want to write scary stories like me, but you don't know where to start? Well, let me tell you about a course I took online called Nightmare Fuel, which is presented by Autocrit, our sponsor, guiding you through everything you need to know to develop and create amazing tales packed with fear and terror. Nightmare Fuel is an absolute horror writing survival guide with a healthy measure of self-study, workbooks, videos, and intensive live virtual classrooms. In addition to the impressive breadth of knowledge from the teachers, the course also features exclusive and meaningful guidance from Rain Hall, gothic horror author and creator of the Writer's Craft Guidebook series. Okay, so you've got your money's worth right there, but let me tell you about the parts where I really benefited, and that's the private member community and the editing software. The Autocrit software is like hiring a great therapist. It's there to guide you towards making good decisions in your writing, but you still do the work yourself and make your own decisions. The software can run hundreds of reports that help you critique your own writing, pacing, and repetition, and it has taken my writing to a whole new level. Now, I made friends during the class, talented, hard-working friends who love to write stories like I do, and we were able to connect, to chat, share our work, and get feedback from each other without sharing personal information through the private Autocrit network, which for me is like if I could take my favorite social media platform and remove everyone who's not interested in what I like. I can't tell you enough how valuable this class has been for me, and they don't just do horror, they have sci-fi and fantasy as well, so if you're looking to get started in writing or you just want to take that next step to get better, check out Haunting Season autocrit. So Brian, Halloween is coming, and as a new to horror movie fan, what are you watching this year? I have picked up so many more horror films this year because of TikTok than I ever have. And what I love about each Halloween throughout the year, I collect movies that I have never seen, and then in October. I just watch them all or as much as I can, um, depending, <laughs> depending on my time, a lot of sequels because I've already, you know, started watching the first ones, but then I also have and off the top of my head. I, I know that I'm not going to be able to remember any of these titles, but I have a lot of these like forties and fifties monster creature feature type of films that I have stacked up as well that I'm really, really getting into 
because again, it's, it's that kind of old style of filmmaking where, you know, they did force perspective or, 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 you know, whatever layering film to do whatever and stop motion. Yeah. So I have a lot of those, uh, as well, for sure. Are there any like classics that you and your family watch together? Like the, the, it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown or the adventures of Ichabod Crane. My movie wall has a holiday section. Of course, you have the Christmas, but yeah, we have a uh, Halloween section. Me and my wife have a five-year-old daughter, Willow. So we always watch the kind of more kid-friendly Halloween movies like uh, Charlie Brown and, of course, Hocus Pocus, Halloween Town, one, two, and three, and all the you know under wraps. The Disney you know original movies are all on the list as well. And then, of course, anything Leica, anything um, Paranorman, Coraline, a stop motion. So, of course, we have Nightmare Before Christmas. Anything like that is is always on the docket and sometimes does kind of get pushed to the top more than the ones that I want to watch because, of course... My five-year-old probably shouldn't be watching any of the Chucky movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, not not at least until she's eleven. Um, <laughs> so Hocus Pocus and a couple of the other ones you mentioned, like Coraline, even I feel like some five-year-olds that stuff can be really scary. How does she deal with the scary scenes? I can tell when she gets scared, and she does a really good job of just kind of like letting us know, like, hey, either we stop right now or fast forward or, or, or whatever. And obviously she does, she does get some, some bad dreams. And the thing that I'm not going to do is force her to like, no, we're going to finish this movie and you're going to get over it. That would be a terrible, (laughs) terrible idea. It's different each year. I don't know. Like, was it, was it a bad idea for her to watch Coraline two years ago? And, and and so we'll see, we'll see like when, uh, now that she's five, um, we'll see if she's like, uh, yeah, I don't actually like watching these movies and that'll be kind of a good test. Luckily they are fiction and, um, you got a movie loving dad there to kind of hold your hand through the scary moments. And I think that's great. Yeah. And she's super smart too, because like we're really into Scooby-Doo. And so something that's really great about Scooby-Doo is she always knows there's someone under the mask. And so we can kind of take that same exact concept and just be like, this is fake. This is fiction. This is, these are puppets. And, and that's another great thing too, is like, I'm slowly starting to get her to understand some behind the scenes of movies and, and things like that to kind of take away some of that fear. As someone who's single-handedly helping to keep the physical media world alive, um, the behind the scenes are often real good reasons to buy the discs. Especially any of those stop motion movies. I mean, those are, those are brilliant. Well, Brian, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find your stuff? Yeah, keep it keep it simple. B Star Cinema, uh, Instagram and TikTok. That's pretty much unless unless you want me to film your wedding or make a commercial for your small business. That's pretty much like all I need to throw out there. But yeah, B Star Cinema uh, on on either platform. Awesome, and we'll have the links below. Haunting Season was created by me, Joshua Sterling Bragg, and is a joint production of Believe Limited and Matt Gielen. Special thanks to our sponsor, Nightmare Fuel, a course provided by Autocrit. And thank you so much to Brian Starr of B-Star Cinema for being on the show and talking about movies. Haunting Season is executive produced by Patrick James Lynch and Ryan and Matt Gielen. Today's podcast was edited by Drama Del Rosario, featuring music made exclusively for the show by North Innsbruck. Creative support comes from Cody Dugan, Jessica Richmond, Mel Forrest, and my wife, Courtney Barber. If you like our show, please leave 
leave a review. You can find show updates on Instagram, daily movie reviews, and horror talk on TikTok. And you can join the conversation yourself by getting involved on HiHo, where I post weekly questions that you can respond to with video and audio that we will work into the one big question segment at the end of every episode. That's it for our show today. And remember, we're more likely to survive if we stick together. So I hope to see you next time. 